of Steve Bai Community Podcast. My name is Shahira. I'm co-founder at Finch and venture partner at Scalata and your host today. Today, I'm welcomed by the amazing team at Hashlock, Jock and Fletcher. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Shahira. Thanks for having us on. Pretty How excited. Not too bad. Not too bad. It's Friday and it's nice and sunny. Um, we're both in Newcastle, so looking forward to the weekend, but this is a nice way to end the week, I feel like. Thank so, you. yeah, very good. Definitely. Well, Thanks for having us, Shahira. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Hashlock is a smart contract auditing company, and um, I'd love to hear all about what you do, how you do it, um, which is uh, so important for every every and any Web3 project out there, and especially in this climate of security hacks, of which we've had several uh, notable notable ones of late. Um, but before we dive into that, I always like to start off with a bit of an intro of your individual backgrounds, uh, where you've come from, how you came into Web3. Uh, Jock, I might kick off with you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so I guess we came from quite a diverse background. Um, myself, a little bit of software development, some computer science, cryptography, and and a specialization in cybersecurity. And I guess both Fletch and I were very early adopters of cryptocurrencies, um, also Bitcoin and, and Ethereum. It, it sort of uh, fueled our interest in the space. And as we saw that, uh, I guess, block te blockchain technology was uh, gaining a lot of traction and and smart contracts were emerging as a critical component of that system. Uh, we, we thought it would be a good idea to sort of figure out how can we stress the importance of uh, security within this immutable space. 100%. And if you wanted to um, kind of me to bounce off that a little bit. So um, I think the really important thing uh, when talking to any Web3 founder, um, we try to keep it very important is um, holding the right um, Web3 and, and blockchain values and core principles. Um, one of the best places to point people is uh, Mastering Ethereum, a uh, really good read. And, and some of those initial things that are related to Ethereum, but um, so, most of them are applicable to the rest of blockchains, not all. Um, that's sort of how we try to describe ourselves first with the right sort of values. Um, and that kind of is why we value security so much as one of the core principles um, and core problems. Uh, yeah, so uh, hackathons and, and bug bounties are sort of the pre-Hashlock era for us. So what what is Hashlock? Um, so the, the core of what we do um, is we audit smart contracts. But what that means um, in layman's terms is um, the difference between a smart contract and traditional code and why it needs an audit is because this is essentially permanent code uh, that handles currency um, based on the world computer, aka usually Ethereum or um, you know compatible with the Ethereum network. So what, what Hashlock actually is, is a company full of people with manual analysis skills, as Jock was saying, um, uh, and the ability to sit down, not only use tools, which a lot of firms can do, um, developers should be doing, you know, running code through tools, but actually sitting down, um, talking to the project or the company um, and understanding what they're trying to do with their code, what the protocol is trying to do, where the value is held, and then us manually going through each contract 
um, and finding issues because, and this leads into some of the other things we'll talk about later, tools cannot find everything. So I guess how we do it, we, we have a much more human approach to smart contract auditing. We, we didn't like the, the robotic uh, approach and sort of transactional system that a lot of the international firms were using. Um, and sort of drawing from our experience in the field, we, we saw an opportunity to have a much more boutique approach that could offer more personalized and, and sort of detailed auditing. Um, so, so this approach, it, it, it very much relies heavily on manual analysis compared to the automated tools that a lot of the big firms use. Um, during that manual analysis, we find much more vulnerabilities than you'd normally find only offering those automated tools. And so that boutique detailed approach that Hashlock provides, it just seemed to create such a rapport for Hashlock and, and, and its brand that uh, through that referral opportunity, we just kept seeing more jobs come in. Can you give us some examples of uh, implications of a, a poorly written smart contract? What are some things you've seen as a result of that? Do you want to grab that one, Jock? Yeah, well, a lot of the time as well, uh, it, it can be a smart contract that isn't inherently poorly written. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess it, it's just not written with a security focus in, in mind. So we can uh, have contracts and, and I guess we've had project leaders come to us in the past and they've used um, open Ze Zeppelin templated contracts. Now these are sort of templates for smart contracts that any project leader can use. They're readily available online and they're community audited. They're very safe. However, when you change a, a line within that uh, template and, and now it's a custom smart contract, you can inherently risk the entire smart contract. Yeah. We have these horror stories where, unfortunately, people are using these templated smart contracts and they say, hey, you know, I'm not the best developer, but surely one line isn't going to change too much. And next minute, their liquidity pool is entirely drained. And nice. unfortunately, by that stage, we, we offer the security of, you know, we're, we're trying to stop that thing from happening in the first place. And, and that's the service that we provide. It's it's a much harder service to provide the aftermath part of that security. Mm -hmm. I'd like to dig into kind of the key differences between um, this sort of human approach um, that you're providing at Hashlock versus some of the automated, because I imagine a lot of projects are, are relying on these automated tools. When you do that manual review, what, what are the sorts of things you're testing for or, or looking out for that these tools just, just can't? Very good question. So the things that they can find, and they're pretty good at finding, are some of the, um, you'll, you'll hear buzzwords, you'll hear re-entrancy attacks. That's one buzzword you'll hear. You'll hear overflow, underflow. Um, you'll hear a bunch of buzzwords of different categories and they're usually very explicit within the code uh, and a tool can often find them pretty easily, most of the time, not all, but most of the time. The thing that um, both tools and even, you know, some early AI um, applications can't find, as we were saying before, is um, things that a compiler or a tool, um, it might not, the, the code still works. By definition, the code still does a job, but that job might facilitate an exploiter's goals, right? So 
it compiles fine. You don't have any uh, any very easy way of um, you know making funds get withdrawn, but there is things that were left out by developers, not thought of. And so what it really is is a is a hacker. The code is technically okay, but a hacker can think a little bit ahead of the developers and just find it's more of a loophole. It's a logic loophole. So the code, the code still, yeah, the, it's hard for a machine to find logic loopholes. It's more of a, we often use the term creative exploits. They're very creative. And so auditors, the best auditors are very creative. It's, it's like a puzzle. You have to think of where the values held and all the different ways that, you know, value, uh, the assets can be manipulated or even just data can be manipulated. Um, and so, and, you know, all, for example, um, the contract just doesn't line up with what you'd think it would do and how you act and you launch it permanently and you realize it doesn't do some things you wanted it to do. I'd like to use this opportunity to maybe distinguish between uh, security hacks um, that are probably, you know, unintentional but exploited by bad actors and then mm. a lot of scams that we've also seen in the market um, by various projects and project members uh, that have just, you know, conducted themselves unethically. Um, is there an opportunity for a smart contract review to reduce that in happening um, or maybe start by sort of describing the difference between the two and then and to what extent can a can a review address those types of concerns i love that question that is a big problem without within our industry mm. as a whole but also within blockchain security right so when we do an audit there's a you know bunch of uh communication and legal work we have to do around communicating that we assure the code uh, and that only means certain things so so starting with hacks hacks is what we prevent so a hack or an exploit or um it doesn't sometimes it even happens when it's not maliciously it's just the code the code itself was so faulty that something goes missing or goes wrong those are things that we prevent so attacking the code or something going wrong with the code that is what primarily a smart contract audit uh, prevents. There are, there are other services that ourselves or a similar company can provide. We can try to do KYC, which is trying to look at the owners and stopping scams. There's other things we can do, uh, monitoring bots on a smart contract, a bunch of things that we can do, but it's very hard for us to stop scams. And the main, the main definition to us in terms of a blockchain scam is typically the owners. So bad, bad owners, right? So they, um, most good protocols have things that the owners, that only the owners can do. They have functions uh, and and um, and use cases that only the owner can call. And it's good. We want them in there because one of them might be to pause the contract. If, uh, there might be security methods, change ownership, um, but they can be used by bad owners um, or bad bad leadership. And then you've just got classic, you know. Um, non-code rug pulls which is where you hype up you know you maybe get a celebrity um you know make all these promises and then just uh you know they sell all their tokens mm -hmm. and how, like there's no way for us to stop that uh unless we do some very heavy kyc but we're never going to be able to you know 
avoid yeah. that. So, well, I guess if, if you know we can declare that the functionality exists for owners to uh, pull a certain amount of liquidity from the protocol or platform quickly, and that can lead to that. However, you know, a, a lot of those own executable functions, which lead to, I, I guess, a lot of centralization within a platform or protocol, to some extent that can be used as, as a uh, security method, because if it's completely decentralized and it's, you know, essentially a, a vending machine running itself, if something goes wrong, there's no sort of method or way that an owner can go in and fix the problem uh, without any upgradable functionality as yeah, it, it, it's sort of a difficult one because we um, are more so like to uh, assure uh, the code. The code in itself is um, very black and white. It's very binary, L literally, I guess when it's compiled, it is binary, who knows? Um, <laughs> but essentially, because we can assure that the code is safe and free from vulnerabilities, uh, that's something that we can do. It's, it's much harder to assure whether a person is good or bad, essentially. Mm -hmm. yeah. You mentioned, um, Fletch, earlier around kind of legal implications, and I guess in the Web2 world, um, any kind of uh, compliance audit or review it is held to uh, regulatory standards of which uh, for us in this industry is, is obviously still in play. So uh, what are what are the standards, if, if any, are you kind of working to or, or towards? And how do you how does the industry ensure that, you know, all smart contract audits are adhering to some kind of framework um, if one exists? Is that a, a you question, Joff? Do you want to start with that one? Uh, yeah, sure. I can I can take that one. So I guess in 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 how we're sort of um, helping with with regulation and and that sort of I guess compliance, uh, we we have our own sort of uh, personal and professional um, beliefs. Like to some to some degree, at the moment within industry, it's sort of seen as this not required by law, but best practice that you get a smart contract audit not only for the security of of your project, but also to build trust within the community around your project. Um, we're working closely with New South Wales government, we're uh, a part of their digital and AI task force. We're also working closely with, I guess, industry bodies around blockchain technology within Australia, like FinTech Australia and Blockchain Australia. And we're putting out, you know, submissions to government and treasury regarding token mapping and, and sort of the structures that we believe will, will best fit uh, moving forward. So whether or not, like, it, it's, it's a very difficult type rope to walk because on one side of the fence you have I guess regulation that can stifle innovation mm -hmm. but then also you have I guess the security uh, wall that's up in front of mass adoption so we want to push more adoption of the technology that we believe is the future and uh, we unfortunately that sort of barrier to entry is definitely security so maybe it's sort of a a gray answer of should there be legislated smart contract audits for projects that are listed on Australian exchanges? Mm -hmm. You know, they they have a, a large amount of funds on chain. That should be something that maybe government or regulation looks towards. Mm -hmm. But at the moment, it's sort of there's there's no one telling you to do it. It's just best practice that you should. 
We mentioned kind of manual review being core to your offering and given the launch of um, ChatGPT for this week and all kinds of very creative applications of it. Um, I was scrolling through Twitter the other day and actually saw smart contract auditing as a potential use case. Um, tell me how you're thinking about that. Where does AI sit um, in terms of uh, maybe supporting some of what you're what you're doing on the manual review side? You want to go for that, Chuck? Yeah, for sure. I guess, um, well, on maybe to, on a personal level, we're we're definitely using um, ChatGPT and, and I guess the newly released GPT four model. Um, we we always are sort of you know looking at emerging tech and and making sure that we're sort of you know at the cutting edge level of anything that's new and, and coming out in the space. Mm -hmm. um, so we've tried to see if we can sort of uh, I guess in the past write functions within smart contracts that can attack certain protocols and platforms and try to see if I guess those sort of uh, chat GPT models can can be used in a, in a bad way as a bad actor but also I guess in terms of because like Fletcher said before the majority of those findings are found through that sort of manual analysis although the AI might be able to look through the code and sort of ensure that it's functioning correctly, whether it's functioning to the specifications that I guess the project leaders have, have told the public, this mm -hmm. is what it's meant to do. And, and whether it can find sort of those very, very low level interactions that, that we find. And, you know, I guess it, it can even be to like a, a spelling mistake that that might, I guess, ruin an entire function or whether that function, although it works and it's intended to to work a certain way, but it it doesn't. So it's it's not that things, I guess, work that at the at the moment chat GPT can sort of get a a baseline understanding whether the smart contract works, but whether it works as intended, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's uh, also just great advice, I think, to to all anyone listening, and uh, particularly those kind of working in projects that um, can certainly benefit from uh, leveraging, you know, AI. It seems like it's it's absolutely here to stay, and it will continue to blow minds and and businesses. And so, hopefully, we want to be on the right side of that, um, yeah. and you know, uh, use these emerging technologies to our to our advantage. Um, a couple of practical questions on Hashlock. So what are, what's a typical stage that a company would come to you to engage with an audit? How long does an audit take? Um, and if, if available, is there sort of a stage of company or a kind of a price range of client that you typically work with? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, and it's another thing that, um, some people have misconceptions on, not everyone, um, so the best time and the most ideal time to get an audit is obviously before launch, uh, before the code, um, the smart contracts get, you know, posted to mainnet blockchain. Um, unfortunately, uh, first of all, there is some times when they'll come to you after. You'll get an inquiry and uh, yeah, they'll come to you after and you'll do an audit and you'll find some stuff that's not quite good, um, vulnerabilities, and uh, there's nothing much you can do there is upgradable contracts, but yeah, it's not much you can do most of the time. So, so what happens is the project or company comes to us at the uh, probably the last third of the development cycle 
ideally before it's complete, as it's as it's finishing up, so we can start to understand specifications, start to partner with them, give early advice on security, um, so that things don't get really like embedded into the protocol, mm-hmm. right? And then so they'll come to us uh, once the smart contracts are ready for auditing. They're 95 percent uh, complete. Um, they stop development, so we can audit it, um, which is part of the development process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we give them a, pre- a preliminary report, which is internal, uh, very confidential of what we've found um, and telling them how vulnerable their smart contracts currently are um, and give them a bunch of recommendations on how to fix each one. Their developers go and fix them. Uh, and then we re-review, check them, make sure that they're fixed. And then we can give our thumbs up that we believe as be- to the best of our ability, um, we never ensure um, but to the best of our ability that we haven't found anything more that can cause problems. Uh, some some companies actually get multiple audit firms um, with different skill sets and um, and might find different types of vulnerabilities. Hopefully it's not needed, but it is a thing that often um, happens. How long does an audit take? That's a bit, a bit of a hard question. Um, you know, there's two types of audits we like to think about. Um, two main categories. So you've got projects and protocols. So projects is, you know, usually like a very small token or NFT or something of that nature. Protocol is more of a um, a very large decentralized app or decentralized organization or, um, you know, framework built or it can be, you know, an entire layer two and, and those sort of things. Protocols, you're going to, you're going to want a long auditing period. You're going to want, you know, a month, probably to do a good audit, you know, including all the changes and the preliminary report, you probably want a month, you know, give or take. A week quote is based on lines of code, complexity, uh, and also responsibility. How much, uh, what type of assets, is it just data or is it actually uh, a significant amount of, uh, you know, currency style assets? That's great. I mean, it's just helpful to know how you price it and, and you know, I think yeah. describing the different types of projects and complexity of the projects will, will help um, listeners kind of understand uh, what, what that might entail. Um, yeah. We are unfortunately run out of time today, but I did want to squeeze in one last question, which is always a community question, but you did mention earlier on in the call that, you know, Hashlux is experiencing really strong growth. And a lot of that is due to the, the client work that you've done and the referrals from that. So talk to us about kind of your experience in the community and, and what community means to, to both of you. Yeah, for sure. I guess, um, Something that we really want to push in in the space in regards to community is definitely more sort of uh, empowerment around education. You know, a, a lot of people, when you say smart contract audit, they say smart contract what? And, and they think audit as in the sort of traditional finance style of audit. And, you know, unfortunately, I think that's just... Uh, due to the name but that's something that we we want to sort of get out there the importance as well you know unfortunately uh even this week there's been uh hacks where you know 200 million dollars worth of funds is stolen within a few clicks and and that sort of thing is i guess uh, a thing that's difficult to to uh for for us because uh we see it as you know we have to find all the bugs whereas a bad actor just needs to find one good one essentially so we're, we're trying to i guess streamline the, the process a bit we've we started a initiative called a uh, trusted web3 and this sort of serves as like a, a community platform where people who sort of want to dip their toes into the web3 space the blockchain space but maybe they're worried about security and mm-hmm. sort of don't know where to start 
this sort of platform provides a, a database of, of providers that with either vetted in, in some way or can ensure to some degree that they do operate in a secure manner. And mm -hmm. so there's consultancy firms, there's uh, developers, there's uh, educational hubs, um, and it, it's sort of a good starting point, we think, if people are sort of looking into that sort of space and, and yeah. want to sort of get into the Web3 ecosystem. Yeah, it's also just a good news source. I think um, the other aspect of Trust the Web3, um, really good place to sort of go to. It's soon to launch, by the way, so you will probably you may or may not see it when you're watching. Um, but uh, it's a really good place to go to find case studies, blogs, and just information and updates around blockchain cybersecurity. And if you're wondering about how, how secure the industry currently is and what's going on with, with mm. blockchain security, mm. go there and there'll be some good content there for you to have a read. Yeah, fantastic. So Trusted Web 3 will be uh, a, a website or a platform launching soon. So we'll keep our yeah, eye yeah. eye at, eye. at uh, .io. .io, trustedweb3.io. Fantastic. Well, Fletch and Jock, thank you both so much for your time. Really appreciate um, all the very practical and informative insights on smart contract um, auditing, the different things to look out for and, you know, how to go about engaging uh, and reviewing providers. Um, thank you again for being really generous with your time today. Um, everyone listening at home, thank you for listening and we'll see you uh, in the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you both. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye.